0: Okay, let's get started. Today is December 18th, 2022. This is Sunday morning manga. I am Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm here every Sunday, more or less, 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. You can read my writing on Tumblr, Medium, and WordPress, all at Derek S. McGrath. You can email me, derek.s.mcGrath at gmail.com. I'll talk about this more later, but if you will if you like what you're hearing, please consider a monetary contribution. Pulling together this live stream takes a bit of work and it is thanks to your tips that help pay down costs for setup and subscriptions. You can tip me at coffee.com/slash Derek S. McGrath. Thank you for your consideration. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent or any other person mentions. As with every Sunday, there is a live reaction to a new manga chapter. This time we're looking at chapter 90 of Witch Watch. The series is written and illustrated by Kensa Shinohara with English translation by Adrian Beck, lettering by Annalise Ace Christman, Witch Watch is distributed in English in the United States by Viz. Available to read, viz.com slash shonenjump slash chapter slash witch dash watch. Accessibility and links are our next topic of discussion. Links to this chapter and other content from today's live stream are available on my website, dericksmcgrat.wordpress.com. There's also a script at that link for today's stream and other images for greater accessibility and as annoyed as you are hearing it i'm just as annoyed seeing it we're not out of this pandemic people please mask up when going out or indoors and please get vaccinated i said i'm here every sunday well guess why i'm not going to be here next sunday but last weekend i had to take off from the live stream to recuperate after getting my latest COVID booster i apologize for my absence But I'm so glad I protected myself and others by doing what is the bare minimum. Please take time to schedule your vaccination and schedule your recuperation. Because if you're like me, getting the vaccine is still going to take a lot out of you while you recover. The holidays are going to be rough for everyone traveling and being in large gatherings. So mask up. Vaccinate and be smart and responsible to protect your health and the health of others. Thank you. Speaking of the holiday season and all the gatherings happening, happy first day of Hanukkah starting later this evening. With this being the holiday season, please consider donations to political and social causes as well as to people contributing so much to education and critical thinking at the end of every live stream, I mention places where you can be contributing your money to help people who work in politics, in media criticism, in education. And before I forget, I know that Black Comics Chat is streaming right now on Twitch, at least last I checked. So if you want, and I highly encourage you, turn off this live stream and go listen to Black's comic, Black Comics Chat right now. I'll still be here and the recording will be up on YouTube later this afternoon. You can check them out, twitch.tv slash black comics chat. Go check them out. Turn off this live stream. Go to twitch.tv slash black comics chat and watch them first. You can come back to this later. But if you are still here, let's get back to the script and talk about what you can be doing with your holiday donations. Let's catch up on news that i miss given that again recuperating from getting the covid vaccination we haven't gotten to talk about Raphael warnock winning re-election in georgia is thanks to volunteer staff and financial contributions to warnock that he was re-elected to the senate in georgia so thank you georgia And there is more work to do ahead of now the 2024 elections in order to increase the number of Democrats in Congress. Please look into Democrats that you want to see running in primary starting in Arizona. Please look at candidates there in Arizona to get the Democratic Party nomination for Senator of Arizona so that a think-like cinema gets replaced with a decent Democrat And don't forget this holiday season, please donate to the National Network of Abortion Funds, abortionfunds.org, as well as to the Southern Poverty Law Center at splcenter.org, and support the center's lawsuit against the potentially unconstitutional flights that Florida was doing of asylum seekers to Massachusetts. The University of California Academic Workers Strike Fund is also still continuing to raise funds at givebutter.com uc-uaw. We'll talk more about academic labor problems, but we'll get to that in a moment. I now need to talk about other causes, or rather just, in this case, a major request. Speaking of contributing money at the end of the year i wish i had better financial news personally the last year and a half has been rough thanks to the ongoing covid pandemic i am limited to remote work options but one job contract i had ended and with it a remote work opportunity that i was depending on then you have unexpected costs such as my computer giving out months ago and requiring that i pay for a replacement And soon, I'm going to have to pay for new eyeglasses to replace the ones I have on right now. Finally, moving into 2023, my health insurance cost is going up along with the price of my Viz subscription that I use for this weekly Sunday live stream. Obviously, taking care of my health should be more important than bringing up a manga subscription, but there you go. These are costs related to putting together this live stream. Each week on this live stream, I mention my resume, qualifications, work interests. I don't do these live streams only to entertain myself. I do consider this work as part of my job. And while I appreciate all the contributions I receive from viewers and listeners on coffee and elsewhere, well, just coffee... I am looking for more predictable and consistent payment options going into 2023. I am applying for more jobs. I'm trying to line up more interviews, but I also need predictability in income. This is where you come in to offer me some feedback. What would you recommend as options for increasing payments and making them more consistent? I already have my coffee account, coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath, but would you also be interested if I add Cash App? I do live streams on YouTube and Twitch for this live stream, Sunday Morning Manga, and I am going to bring back my online American Literature 1 lessons, but would you prefer additional content or different ways to package it? For example, I could do the American Literature 1 lectures as recordings rather than live streams. Then I could share those as early access to contributors on Patreon or another source. I could do video game playthroughs on Twitch. Would you be interested? I write and post on Tumblr, WordPress, and Medium, but would you be interested in subscribing to a substack if I put one out? and perhaps I could share these live streams as podcasts on Substack, WordPress, or elsewhere. I welcome your feedback. This is really important for me to find opportunities to support myself when reliable and safe remote work opportunities have unfortunately been limited. Please let me know in the comments which options I should explore to increase earnings from my live stream, my podcasting, my writing, and please consider contributions. Again, that link, coffee.com slash Eric S. McGrath. That helps pay down costs saying up this live stream and make sure I can afford increasing healthcare costs in the next year. Thank you in advance. Before we get into this week's live reaction to Witch Watch, let's do a check-in on labor and unions. I didn't include this in the script, but the UC strike... For academic workers, last I check, is leading to an actual contract. That's good news. Maybe in two weeks I can talk a bit more about other practices that I personally would like to see from academic groups around the country when it comes to making sure that workers are protected, get their pay increase, and what could be done with work stoppages to make sure that happens. But, there is a lot I haven't gone into about labor, including my conflicting feelings regarding the federal government imposing the contract onto both the labor union and the railroad industry. But that is also a failure of getting enough Republicans to support the sick days asked by those railroad unions. Many railroad unions opposed those deals. But there were railroad unions that did support those deals. This isn't an easy problem to address when union does not have a... It's difficult when you have multiple unions that are not in absolute agreement on the actions to take, which does make it difficult to determine, did Congress do the right thing? This is not an issue that is going away, and we need a Democratic Party... That will advocate for union and to do that they need to have the votes to support union which is not possible unless we vote for democrats and we vote against republicans to kick them out of office with our votes and we do all we can to defend unions and strikes which includes the question that I've been struggling with for the last month do you have a nationwide strike even if that leads to economic problems. That depends on a will to actually impose a contract onto the railroad industry. That's not only do you have the will to actually enforce it onto an industry, it's also will that work legally thanks to a Supreme Court that is not cozy with unions and doesn't care about labor and their rights. This all leads to something that I can't speak very well about the railroad industry. I'm not a railroad worker, but I can speak to my experiences in higher education and what I see as a poor approach to managing a budget at the cost of programs and professors. New Jersey City University, that is a public university in the state of New Jersey, They are ending 37% of its academic programs. This will result in 30 professors losing their jobs. Programs that are being ended, and I apologize, that is not good phrasing, because passive voice and you think someone who works with words would better understand this. The City University is ending programs in early childhood education, in journalism, in environmental science. You can get a full list in the news article by Joshua Rosario at the Jersey Journal. Web link is in the video description and on screen. You can do a Google search for NJ.com and just, well, NJ.com. Search that along with Joshua Rosario in order to get access to the full article. You'll forgive me for sour grapes if I point out that this should be major news for certain academic organizations, but as far as I have seen, isn't really. I don't want to hear academic groups say they stand against the evils of neoliberalism, or, you know, you could just call it the evils of capitalism, or the evils of greed, or something that more people can actually understand, You can't say you're against all of those evils if you're not actually going to stand up for something. In other words, it's easy to say you stand against something awful, but then you're not doing anything meaningful about it. Because it's actually harder to actually stand up for someone and offer meaningful action. Let me give an example, and this isn't good enough, but it's at least an example of what standing up against the evils of greed would look like, as opposed to just saying, we're here to combat neoliberalism and not actually doing anything. NJCU is a public university, so I would recommend, if you are a voter in New Jersey, that you call your state legislature. And you tell them to find funding to make sure these professors are hired and that these students' programs are reinstated. We can't keep rolling back funding for education and then wonder why we have an electorate that votes against its best interests and people who then can't support themselves without education or work opportunities. That's kind of the point. They don't want people to be educated, so then you will keep voting poorly. And it's that vicious cycle that needs to be broken. And the way to do that is finding enough votes in order to get the funding back. So, again, not a perfect solution, not far enough, because if there was a labor strike possible at this university, I would encourage it. But until I can confirm that that is an option... If you are in New Jersey, I encourage you, look up the phone number for your legislator's office. Ask them where they stand on funding NJCU. Do they think that this is a fair situation or would they vote for a measure to increase funding so that they don't get rid of these programs and don't fire these professors? If your legislature, sorry, legislator can't commit to funding higher education, let them know that you are considering voting for someone else to take their seat, whether in the Democratic primary or for a Democrat over a Republican. And while we're on this topic, share Rosario's article. Again, Joshua Rosario wrote this at NJ.com. Share that link with people you know. Share that link with, their, with your legislator. Share that link with other academics you know at NJ... CU or at other new jersey universities private or public see if they have advice they're the ones who are within this academic system within this employment system they may have a better sense of what's going on and what options are available to contest this ridiculous cut you're going to lose a third of your academic programs you're going to leave three professors unemployed as someone who has a phd It's hard enough to get a tenure-track job. It's got to be devastating to lose that job. And when they say fire 30 professors, I am sorry to confess my own ignorance. I don't know if those are tenure-track positions or those are adjunct positions. And if it's adjunct, the attitude's going to be, well, I'm sure there's another university in the area you can get work at. Again, having had adjunct positions that come and go it is precarious and losing any employment opportunities can be devastating to your economic stability and your ability to support yourself and survive this if there is something that can be done to get the funding back and help these professors it needs to be done It's not as if we don't have money that we can generate and money that we can take from other programs and money we can get from having a progressive tax that couldn't help these professors. So, if you're in New Jersey, call your legislator. If you know an academic, share this article and ask where they stand. I can think of certain academic groups that could use an email asking, Hey, have you seen this in the news? Where do you stand? Does your organization support labor? And what would you do to help these professors? But enough about labor, which you can never be enough about labor because it's not going to leave you anytime soon. But because we got only an hour for this, let's get on with today's live reaction because I got a lot to say before we even get to the live reaction. As with every Sunday, there is a live reaction to a new manga chapter that is released this morning. This time, we're looking at Chapter 90 of *Witch Watch*. The series is written and illustrated by Kensho Shinohara, with English translation by Adrian Beck, lettering by Annalise Ace Christman. *Witch Watch* is distributed in English in the United States by Viz. Available to read at viz.com/shonenjump/chapter/witch-watch. The last time I talked about Witch Watch at length was a live reaction to Chapter 79 way back on October 2nd, 2022. And I wish I could say I was following the major arc that's been dominating the series for about two months now, but my attention to that arc weighed pretty quickly not helped by at least one off-putting gag chapter that I didn't enjoy. Although, as I'll talk about in a bit, there was one funny chapter that I thought was evocative of Shinohara's previous work as an assistant on the manga Gintama, so that was a plus. It's bothersome to me because I remember, in my live reaction, really enjoying Chapter 79. It had gags builds around the character khan the tengu character and his awkward footwear while having to fight a soda theme, common rider knockoff all of that setup was too goofy for me not to appreciate and if you read my original transcript on wordpress i am far harsher to shinohara than i wish i had been because as i keep talking i'm gonna backtrack on certain things Shinohara is good at setup and payoff, but when it came to the serious arc that we're going to talk about, I don't know if the setup and payoff was that good, but I'm getting off track. So, Chapter 79, good gags around footwear and common Rider, and then the next arc after that was an admittedly amusing two-chapter arc about independent manga publishing, Which had some decent in-jokes about the marketplace, comic conventions in Japan, print problems, publishing problems, marketing strategies. But then Witch Watch entered into a serious arc and I felt lost as well as underwhelmed. I apologize for the small print on screen. There was a lot I was trying to tackle given that this is going from chapter 82 to 86. In this arc... The ogre teenager, Morhito has a meeting with his old teacher, Ron. And it leads to this annoying gag around... I already screwed up my script, so I apologize here. There's this annoying gag where the main character, our witch character, Nico, is assuming Morjito is meeting up with an old girlfriend... And then that gag is thrown away once the misunderstanding is cleared up because the go-to gag that Shinohara depends on when it comes to Nico is to have her worried about her relationship with Morihito. I say at all times, that's not fair. The comic publishing arc showed that she has other interests, she has other relationships, that's not being fair. But it is hard to not read into what role she serves in the story, when in this serious arc that we're getting into, it is then revealed that she is going to be a magical key that could unlock a devastating attack on the world. It's falling back into these gender-based cliches in terms of the love interest, the character who is going to be kidnapped and used as a way to unlock a great evil, All of that feels stifling for character progression. I know that's not the only thing about her. Given that we do get her progression as a better magical user. And as Morito has to struggle with as well. She has her own family drama. Morito has his own family drama. That's supposed to be a way of connecting the characters. And making us realize they belong together and that this is a really important relationship i'm not getting that vibe part as because i'm not as invested in this manga as other readers are but seeing as i did bring up family drama we might as well get to that with what actually happens in this overly serious arc the family drama with morihito His teacher, Ron, is an old family friend who, in this arc, is now trying to kill Morihito in combat. So, spoilers for this arc, so bear with me. The secret of this arc, there's a mystery, and it's built around who Ron really is. We're introduced to him as being an ogre, like Morihito. That's how he came to know this family. He was an ogre. He wanted to meet another ogre and challenge him in a fight. And the father instead said, why don't you go spar with my son? And this builds a student-teacher relationship that we are told now is pivotal for Morhito. If it was Rob in previous chapters, I admit my ignorance. I haven't read the manga as closely to see has Morhito brought Ron up before or is this a last minute revelation? In any case... The secret of the arc is who Ron really is. We're introduced him as he's an ogre, like Morhito. But then we learn Ron's shocking secret. He's actually a warlock on his mother's side. So, ogre physically, but has magic of a warlock because his mother was a witch. And his mother died in childbirth because heaven forbid we have a man as a major character without having a dead woman be the motivation for his story. Granted, to be fair, Shinohara writes in a reason into the story to explain why Ron's mother died. His mother wanted to die because she is immortal, but she can't die unless it's by giving birth. It's some real Steven Universe energy, but... Again, without really having the feminist and queer cred to pull this off, and I'll add to my scripts. Steven Universe was about trauma and experiencing that and how you live through it. I'm not getting that with Ron just yet. Now, I'm going to be overly critical discussing that character because we barely, in my opinion, I don't think we get as much information as we needed, which... Is fine if this is a stepping stone to a much larger story, but when this is an arc sandwiched between a lot of comedic, one off, gag filled chapters and not the larger, overarching story arc, it feels like a story in isolation. So I'm having to judge it based on what is happening right now at this moment in the entire series. It's also a reason why I haven't gone back to talking about My Hero Academia for a while because I really don't like where that arc is going. I don't know what Horikoshi is going for, but I don't think that I can give as fair a criticism until I see how the story wraps up. And if I have an additional criticism about Horikoshi's writing style compared to Shinohara's, Shinohara at least has an ending point to an arc as demonstrated by having a gag chapter after it. I never get a sense that there is a break in My Hero Academia. That should be good because that means one story arc leads to the next. One chapter leads to the next. It never feels like there's a space to pause and just appreciate this story is over. We can take a break. We can do something else. With Horikoshi, it became—I mean, just look at how the USJ arc immediately led into the sports festival without having much of a break, which then led immediately into the stain arc, which then led almost immediately, if I remember correctly, into their exams and then the training compound exercises and then Bakugo gang kidnapped and then all from and then all Mike losing his quirk and on and on it never felt like there is a break. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I hate time skips. I almost wish there was an actual time skip in My Hero Academia to put an end to an arc because even when we got that time skip into the big war arc and then Izuku on his own, that still wasn't a break. It was still continuing the same story without giving a moment to just breathe and let some filler exist to kind of... Remind us who these characters are, how they changed, and how they developed. I'm going to sing the praises of this because I've been on a kick re it. Check out the 2003 Ninja Turtles animated series as an example for how you can keep having arcs that build on each other, but still have enough filler in between, or enough episodes you can watch where stuff is progressing, the overall arc, but also... ...acting as filler where the characters just hang out or get to meet other characters, other settings, other worlds, other types of fights and genres... ...so that you're not feeling inundated with serialization that is unending. But I've gone off script, let's get back to talking about Ron himself. So, because Ron's life exists just so his mother could die, he has a chip on his shoulder against the world. And then when his dad has died... Ron's... uh, Sorry, let me start over. He's born, his mom dies. Then his dad dies. And then Ron figures out that because of his mother's power, his lifespan has elongated, where he's going to age more slowly. So he just gets more bitter. And then he claims his dad never really loved him. But we don't see that yet. We're just told that... Ron's dad never loved him and now he's having to live so long without both of his parents and he's growing more and more bitter so then when he meets Morihito as a little kid and sees how well Morihito gets along with his dad he just gets more bitter and more jealous and then he takes off running in a huff and I don't care I know I sound callous and maybe this will all be revealed later as I said this arc is a stepping stone into the larger ...narrative that Shinohara is scripting, but right now we're told that Ron's dad never loved him, and that's it. I haven't talked as much about Astro and Lost in Space in relation to Witch Watch since Shinohara is the creator of both. It's not as if I didn't have a similar problem when trying to watch Lost in Space where I'm thinking... ...okay, you keep telling us that these parents are awful... And it's not until we see the flashbacks and then see what the parents are really up to that's like, oh yeah, these are horrible people. There's at least mystery built up with that before the big revelation in Astra that we're like, oh, so that's where this story was going. that's that's pretty bad. Um I really hate to do the show Don't Tell problem. We're getting Ron's narration and flashbacks. When he says his dad doesn't love him. We're just told that. And we're not seeing it. We're told that. Ron was judged by others. For being both a warlock. And the son of an ogre. And we're only having his side of the story. I really wish that we could have a flashback. That is. Without. Without being seen through Ron's eyes that we could believe it and see that discrimination. I feel like this is going to turn into the equivalent of if you've ever seen the movie meet the Robinsons, when we learn Boar hat man's origin story and he's narrating and saying, no one likes me. And then we get a flashback showing that actually everyone really liked him and really reached out to him and really enjoyed his company. But his toxic personality Led him to think the worst in others. So he wasn't mistreated. He just wasn't willing to reach out to others. I want to know. That Ron here is mistreated. And I want to hear what he says. About discrimination to prove that. I want to see it. Not only hear it. And going off script again. Given that this is Ron's motivation. That he's been discriminated against. And now he's the antagonist of this story. And he's willing to. Wreck the entire world we're going to get another story of the marginalized person is the villain and that's problematic in its own way even as technically all of our protagonists in Witch Watch are also not human and in their own ways discriminated and marginalized. Yeah, I'm going to put the brakes on that part of my discussion for right now because I don't think I'm equipped for it and I want to get this manga more of a chance and far closer reading than I've given it to make better sense of what is going to unfold because I'm not confident that Shinohara is going to pull this off and I'm trying to suspend judgment on that so I'll get back to the discrimination plot but let me get back to the script we're told what Ron's life has been like We just get whatever he says. We're not seeing that animosity towards him. Why should we believe his word? We're supposed to get the vibe that Ron is correct, that people do fear him because of his warlock and ogre origins, because he is later confronted by a crime boss who explicitly calls out, you're that ogre guy. But once the crime boss appears, that's when we in the story learn he's an ogre. And before that, he already gone to a fight with human game members who approached Ron and thought he was just human and had a bad attitude and that's why they fought him. We don't have the game members knowing he is already of ogre origins. They just goad him into a fight because they're jerks and he responds in kind because this was all according to his plan. This is out of order storytelling. What I would have done is make it so that the game members already know he's an ogre and already hate him for that. You don't even have to make it explicit. You don't have to have the game members say, there's that ogre guy. Because it is a good revelation once the crime boss puts out there and says, oh, you're that ogre guy. Have the game members say something more coded like, oh, you're one of those. And leave it to the audience to pay attention and realize... Oh, okay, he's not human, or there's something about him that is making him the subject of discrimination. Otherwise, I'm worried that we're going to get a revelation that Ron is just making crap up, that people don't like him for being an ogre, when the reason people don't like Ron is because he's being a jerk. Which. Maybe that's Shinohara's O'Hara's point. Maybe it's that Ron really is a jerk and he's just finding motivation out of some presumed prejudice, which, yeah, that has its own unfortunate implications. So I'm going to step away from that detail for a bit until I can process this idea more. <sighs> okay, back to Ron and his parents. How do I know this plot won't unfold that his dad really didn't love him and that Ron's actions just inspired all of these misconceptions that had doomed him for the rest of his life? I mean, this feels like when Shadow the Hedgehog can't determine his motivations and they keep changing from moment to moment until he finally remembers Maria's last words. Then suddenly his motivations change at the drop of a hat and he's like, Oh, okay, now my motivations have changed, and now I'm going to take this action. I know I'm overthinking storytelling tropes, but... Yeah, if I'm not entertained by a story, I tend to nitpick it more than actually enjoy it. And I'm not sure this twist works. The twist that we all thought Ron was an ogre, but he's actually a warlock. It depends on building up a mystery that can be solved by Ron accidentally revealing he isn't really an ogre. And that's not what happens, but go with me for a moment on this. Wouldn't it have been better to have Ron somehow spill something by accident that made Morihito, the guy that has been working with him for years, realize, oh, you're not using ogre power, you're using magic. I mean, morhito has been living with Nico for so long, you would think at some point Morhito would be the one to piece it together saying, I just unleashed my full strength and you're still standing. I know you're my teacher and you're good, but I know I'm stronger than you and you still withstood that attack. Instead, we just have Ron be some, be yet another dull antagonist who can anticipate everything his opponent's doing and never slips up once. And we don't get that moment to give a little depth to Morihito to say he can kind of figure this out himself. Now, I'm going to skip ahead a bit. We learn, along with Morhito that Ron is a warlock once Nico shows up to intervene in the fight, and she reveals to Morihito, hey, your teacher is using magic. He's a warlock. This would have been so much better if we just had Morhito say, I lived with Nico too long to not recognize magic, but not say it. Have him piece together, wait, Ron shouldn't have been able to withstand that attack. He's using something else and then just have a light bulb moment and before he can say it have Nico show up and say "Morehito, you don't understand and Morjito says no I do understand and she realizes he knows and he knows that she knows and they say at the same time and say he's a warlock. So I'm creating a problem that probably doesn't exist because I'm the one saying Ron... Showing that he's a warlock. Feels like a bit of an ass pull. But that's not being fair to Shinohara. Shinohara anticipated all of this. Like. You introduce that Ron has abilities that he shouldn't have. Then have Nico show up to justify her presence. And be the one to reveal to Morihito that Ron is actually a warlock. So. This is both me complaining about how long Ron has really passed as an ogre and no one figured it out and then using one of the established characters, Nico, to make a believable assertion based on what we know about her that, yeah, she can figure out he's a warlock and no one else does. That is a good way of bringing Nico into this story that is very much about Morjito and Ron, not her. It is the manga con Shinohara saying up a problem and then letting Nico solve it. That is good writing. I just don't think it's the most interesting way to handle a dull antagonist who, somehow, for five years has been able to hide he's a ma- magician. It doesn't show to me that he's a calculating shrewd antagonist it shows to me that no one else figured out what may have been obvious i mean it was obvious to nico you're telling me no one else figured this out i mean maybe ron killed anyone else who figured it out he's ready to kill nico it's odd he can deceive people for what at least five years in the story that he is indeed an ogre this is ham by ron being a pivotal part of Morihito's childhood for just two weeks, though, before he walked off. So we do get an in-story reason. Morjito didn't know him long enough to figure it out. But then we're also supposed to treat that and he's known for two weeks and this was the most important teacher he's ever had. It's a It's conflicting ways of suspending disbelief. And like I was saying that a moment ago, thematically, this is also an unfortunate storytelling choice. This depends on ideas about passing, which, honestly, Witchwatch has been odd about. Where so much of the story is told in terms of supernatural characters who can easily pass visually as human, which builds the theme of the story as being that we really all are the same, despite our differences, we're all human but it's doing so while still building that theme on the notion that if you have everyone look human, then we can all get along. Visually, this robs a lot of variety and character design potential that Shinohara could have been leaning into, and it also suggests that passing as human is the most acceptable visual option Rather than acknowledging that people look different. Not all people can just change their appearances that drastically. But this is a thorny topic that I'm not approaching as well as I want to. Without putting in more time to think it through and write it out. I could go into more detail about this plot. Including how we learn Ron as far as some conspiracy to use Nico to resurrect a powerful warlock. But I don't care. This is a long-term plot, and this comparatively shorter arc is just a stepping stone, so until I see how the overall story in Witch Watch wraps up, I don't feel invested enough to enjoy how well this short arc set up that ending. If there is any regret I have from my first reading of the arc, initially, I didn't appreciate the action in this arc. I have held back on criticizing certain action manga, my hero academia chief out them where the action is not easy to follow in paneling or representing a motion something like jujutsu kaisen does better but for witch watch the fight between ron and morihito in chapter 83 is really good it's easy to follow and i love the line art's When Morihito is knocked back, where you get these parallel lines to show the impact of Morihito being thrown aside. It's such a simple action, but one that Shinohara does well illustrating. Better than the, admittedly more ambitious work that Horikoshi is trying to accomplish in My Hero Academia, but, yeah, ambition is great, being able to pull it off is another, and... Yeah, as someone who is dealing with how do you work through exhaustion, pain, and so many challenges you're facing, I'm trying to be sympathetic to Horikoshi trying to maintain a weekly or bi-weekly illustration and plotting structure, but it hasn't been paying off in the manga, and... I don't know what to say without sounding like a jerk... Horikoshi is saying these excellent ambitions. I don't think he's gone there, and I don't know what he could do on a weekly or biweekly schedule to create the kind of art that I anticipate he's imagining. But I'm getting off topic. Let's wrap this up, talk about the next three chapters in which Watch, then we can get on with the live reaction. We get a chapter that is about vlogging and gender bending. And it has a weird TM revolution pun. Is that supposed to be a Soul Eater joke? And then a connection to the Book of Ebon arc. Except that was only in the manga and not the anime. I'm overthinking this. We get that chapter about vlogging and gender bending. And it has a pretty crass joke about flashing the camera. Which, yeah, I'm not the age group for this manga. But at my age, with characters this old, it comes across as a really crass and creepy gag speaking of flashing the camera we then get a chapter about being invisible and without clothes on which leads to a corny terminator gag as if i need to hear anything more about people sucking up to james cameron this week and we also get a no homo homophobic gag in the chapter which no all of that no The best of these filler stories is the previous chapter, Chapter 89, in which the crew's friend tries to make a picture book for her young cousin, but the illustrations are all creepy drawings that don't match the tone of the story, which leads to humor in terms of the disconnect between happy, pleasant story, but really creepy images. It's a simple story, but it's a fun one, which might be a way to describe Witch Watch compared to some other series out there. It has a low bar that it's trying to reach, and it reaches it very well. It is competent, which is not to say bad. It's to say, here's a good goal, we reached that goal, we pulled it off. And if I can have Sour Grapes, I saw someone list Witch Watch as one of the worst manga for the year. (laughs) I've seen some pretty bad manga. If Witch Watch is the worst of the year... That means that we lucked out very well because, yeah, we wrapped up this strand of chapters with a really good gag chapter compared to an overly serious narrative arc and some clunker filler chapters. But, hey, I'll, ch- I'll take chapter 89. That was pretty good. So, we've caught up. We can get started. Let me pull up on my phone with chapter 90 of Witch Watch. You can read along at viz.com slash shonenjump slash chapter slash witchwatch. Link is in the video description and on screen, or will be on screen right now. So, pulling up chapter 90. And it looks like there will be a new chapter of the series next Sunday for Christmas, so that's kind of a surprise. I'll talk about this more in a bit. I am not planning on doing a live reaction on Christmas Day, so maybe there will be another surprise, but I kind of doubt it. Okay. And uh, you can tell I'm off to a great start when I'm laying out that sigh of aggravation. I already went through this long discussion about isn't it good that Shinohara is able to wrap up a narrative arc, and then include filler chapters so that you know an arc, a story has come to an end. It looks like we're back to that arc again because we have Shinohar. sorry, we have Morihito training again, and he says that despite his improved training, he's not able to be his teacher wrong like this. He says, I had to decipher that ancient text on the ultimate ogre, We gone technique. And then someone responds to him saying, What shonen manga are we in right now? I'm gonna pause here because I am gonna be that jerk. This is like that King Thomas story where shinpachi finds the scroll his father left behind, and all it is is a better recipe for I think making chestnuts. And this is after a very long gag-filled chapter, or in this case in the anime I was watching, half an episode. Of characters just coming up with more and more complex fighting names. Like naming each of their moves until the move is too long to name. And then it's so lengthy that you can't get the attack done. I don't know if this kind of a gag works after how serious we were to take the Ron arc. But then again, after reading, after watching Astro Lost in Space... Shinohara has a weird vibe of trying to be very super serious and then throwing in the weirdest gags that I'm not sure work but I'm the one who invoked Soul Eater a moment ago it's not as if there aren't shonen out there where it's like things are very serious and dark and grim and then here's some wacky comedy that is such a clash against what we just saw that it doesn't reduce the tension of the seriousness It just clashes and doesn't work. I'm not explaining that very well. So let me keep going. I hate to say it. I forget the name of the other character here. They're a vampire character. I can pull it up in a moment. So vampire character and Morihito. Go into the basement. We're told that... The vampire character says didn't even know that there was a basement or this kind of a room. I'm kind of getting bad vibes to that Tokyo Demon Bride manga that I pretty much dropped reading. So, yeah, this is... Yeah, reminding me of a story I really didn't like. It's not helping. Um, Okay, the vampire chired child is miharu okay continuing so they grab the book it's the ultimate ogre technique it's recorded in this secret manuscript at which point we're so miharu is just basically going to be the snarky mst reaction to everything because they now say oh so we gone from a shonen manga to a kung fu movie is that really much of a difference i mean they're kind of the same Ugh, keep going so it's written in an old ogre language so that people couldn't learn it yeah i remember that episode of batman Animates Morhito confesses that he's not able to read this language, so he doesn't know how to perform it. He also says that he asked Nico before she could read and she couldn't. You know, that kind of would have been nice to have seen instead of being told this much later in the story, but now I'm just nitpicking. Morihito says that his dad only ever showed him the basics, and that's what he's been having to do to learn on his own, and the only reason he ever got this good, and before he can say, because Ron told me, he cuts himself off because he doesn't want to think about him. Miharu then says what the audience is thinking, which is that Morihito always is trying to think of others and isn't taking care of himself. At which point their other friends suddenly show up and ask Morihito to tutor them. And Morhito just lashes out at them saying they always come to him looking for help and he's getting really tired of it. They notice how irritated he looks and he says that he already wrote notes for them they can go and read it this leads to a slightly funny bit where they're saying even when he's grumpy he's still nice to them and still looks out for them you know this would be a good time for me to use this chapter as a debate when it comes to discussions about teaching practices where yeah are you really good teacher if you're being irritated with every last thing you're doing for your students which no, you're doing bad at teaching if you're acting like everything you're doing for them is a struggle. You're guilt-tripping them. Speaking of which, I should actually have read the credits for this chapter. This is chapter 90, titled Ogre Masters, part 1. Translation by Adrian Beck. Layering by Annalise Ace Christman. Written by Kensa Shinohara. Illustrated by Kensa Shinohara. Okay, so his friends are going through the notes... And they realize all they need to do is cram over three days and they'll pass their tests. At which point Morihito gets angry when they say, oh, we still got three days, so they all just lounge around. At which point he kicks all of them. Again, I'm not going to nitpick because it's like, yeah, you kicked Nico, but you did kick two other characters who are men, so not the worst but even as equal opportunity. So Morhito literally kicks them into action to get them to do their studying. but then Nico says she has the best idea and she uses magic to summon a tiny Morhito. It's a tiny version of the person who wrote the notes. So the tiny Morihito starts the lesson to them. They're really pleased at how easy it is to understand. Miharu is watching what Nico did and then says if they have a miniature, a miniature version of the author. And that is someone who can then explain what's written down. And that's when... Miharu and Morhito both realized at the same time that Nico could use that spell on the ogre fight instructions, which this is a good moment in terms of showing Morhito and Miharu being on the same page. Why couldn't we have gotten this before to have Nico and Morhito both realize, oh, Ron is actually a warlock, and you I don't know. I like when characters come up with the same conclusion, but in different ways. Morihito could just be really smart and observant and realize it. Nico could just be, well, I'm a witch, of course I could recognize magic. I like this moment that we have Miharu and Morihito coming to the same conclusion but through completely different personalities. I want more of that. I want characters who show intelligence but in different ways but reach the same conclusion. So Nico does the spell and we see the writers of the book come out and they are elderly, and the gag we get here is just that they look like archetypes, so one looks like a Master Roshi from Dragon Ball, one looks like a demon character, so kind of like Iblis from Blue Exorcist, Nico is impressed with the woman who is the martial arts master saying that she's an Amazon and looks like a tough girl with a mean streak. Morihito warns her to not judge a book by its cover. Good pun there, good translation. And yeah, I appreciate Nico getting invested and that we are having the characters aware of archetypes and stories I don't know. We already went through a, what is this, a shounen manga? Was this, a kung fu movie? And it's like, yes, that is literally what this is. We know what we're reading. I don't think it's that clever to have the characters being aware of what they're reading as well. Okay. Um. Then the next one is... I'm kind of pausing here because I'm not sure how to react. So please give me a moment because we get to the third master and they look very familiar. Um, Given that they have the smoking pipe and the little bit of hair over their one eye, doesn't it kind of look like someone we already met in Gintama? Like, I'm kind of surprised that this isn't the bad guy of our story. So, just a weird design choice. He's totally the scruffer slacker who's secretly a badass. And then we got Miharu again just saying, oh, so now we're in another manga. The running gag's getting a bit stale. And then we get a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure gag. Okay. Then we get the Fort Master, and it's someone wearing an ogre mask. And the complaint is, why are you having an ogre mask? Is it because you just needed another design and want someone to look different? Okay, um... Manga, you don't get to complain about having character designs that have variety when you make all of your mythological characters just look human in your story. At least having these four masters look visibly different at least is a start compared to how... I know I can tell the difference between our main characters, our main high school human passing characters in this manga, but their designs aren't that unique, And now their next complaint is that the characters are so tiny that they just look chibi and adorable. We don't get to now complain about the chibi look and act like that's somehow going to mask any trauma or narrative depth we can get. Have you not watched Bungo Stray Dogs 1 and seen how... Watch the fireworks episode to the end and try not to cry over what Dazai says to Atushi. And Atushi really does not take it well despite the cute designs and everything. So Slacker character says he doesn't want work. He gets attacked by the woman trainer. And then we just get a lot more talking. They're complaining about which one of them is older, even though they're from different eras. Morhito is getting irritated and trying to calm them all down. And Nico says he's acting like a rookie comedian trying to keep peace in a Rakugo theater dressing room. No, 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 story. Do the Akane Banashi reference. Come on, I know you got it in you. Okay, Morhito introduces himself to the masters. And then they all talk over each other and say that they're not going to teach him and they can't cooperate with each other. And then the older one says that he's actually Morhito's ancestor. So, of course, he'll help. Then the woman master, I apologize for how sexist this will sound. She's being portrayed as sundere. She's saying, you look like you got some spine at least, my training won't be easy. So she's gone from, I won't do it, to, okay, fine, you convinced me. But then the scruffy one also does the same, saying, okay, fine, I'm getting dragged into this. He's kind of like an Aizawa character, except... I know I'm nitpicking this manga and this chapter way too much, but we're now just rushing because we got about three pages left and we need these masters to all agree to train Morihito. So, the one does it because that's my descendant, but then the other two don't really have a reason aside from, oh, that's their character archetypes. Of course they would because tropes. And then the masked one says... I never wanted to take a student until today. So, yeah, this is them spelling out, okay, so you all just want to take your turn to agree a train. And that's when Miharu gives the lesson of today's story, which is, Morihito always has to be everyone else's teacher. Now he gets a chance to be a student, so he's really excited for it. Well, I did say I wanted telling... Not telling, but I wanted it to be much more obvious, so I guess I got what I want out of this. And then... The Tiny Masters revealed that this magic spell by Nico will only last for three months. And Morito says that that's too long because the day of disaster will be over by then. I get the point, but this is odd dialogue phrasing. It's supposed to be Morhito saying, I only had this many days to learn all of this. And they're saying, oh, well, we'll be around for 90 days. It will take you that long to learn. Okay, so I wasn't reading carefully. The complaint isn't, oh, you're only going to be around for 90 days. It's that, oh, you're going to be around for 90 days because that's how much time you need for me to learn all this. Well, Morihito, it's going to be like when I would teach a summer course. You had to fit an entire semester ward in a fourth of the time. Have fun. Morihito then says he wants a spell cast on him. And we find out that he wants a spell that will speed things up. He's going to spend the next three days in hell. I'm not going to be doing a live reaction next week because, again, Christmas. But I just fully expect this is now going to lead to the time chamber gags from Dragon Ball. Which as my final thoughts on this before we wrap up the live stream it's not as if Shinohara was not coming out of the school of Gintama given that he worked as an assistant on that series and yet I'm sitting back here thinking the gags aren't working as well and it bothers me a little bit because the designs on the four teachers are adorable and actually have variety that I wish the main characters had so that's at least something. And yeah, I'm an easy mark when it comes to just pulling chibi stuff. Like Bungo Wan I brought up earlier. I did a review of the How to Raise a Mummy series. See how I'm butchering the name of that anime. How am I getting that wrong? How to Keep a Mummy. Sorry. It's not as if nothing was working here. But then the manga wants to constantly make fun of itself and that comes across less as Shinohara deflating his own ego and instead comes across as you're the one who added all this stuff that I thought was so cool and funny and amusing and charming and you're crapping on it instead of just enjoying what you created and letting the audience feel good for enjoying it. It's not quite shaming the audience for enjoying this but it does feel lacking. So, not my favorite story arc for Witch Watch. Granted, this is a gag-heavy chapter. If we have Morihito doing three days of training, I imagine at least one more chapter in this arc. We'll see how much he learns in it. Given that this is a gag chapter that is leading into the larger overall story arc, I should really enjoy it best of both worlds getting your comedy and getting to progress the story forward but something feels lacking in terms of making the jokes really land with the audience or in this case just just land with me but i'm not the age demographic i'm not the only reader i hope people who enjoy witch watch enjoyed this because it seems like more of what they already would enjoy in terms of that kind of comedy and that kind of plot regression It's something at least. It is a series that stands out in being able to combine comedy and action, which given what we have lost when certain series like Blue Exorcist, My Hero Academia gotten more and more super serious, it is good to have something that is a little more lighthearted. So I'll wrap up there. Thanks for listening to this week's stream of Sunday Morning Manga. What did you think of the new chapter of Witch Watch? Please share your remarks in the comment section or send me an email, derrick.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. Music today included the tracks Los Angeles by Musa Production and Sunshine by Lemon Music Studio. These songs are royalty free and available at Pixabay. Links are in the video description. And if you did like what you heard, please let me know. Contributions at coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath are appreciated. Please include a note to let me know what you enjoyed in the live stream so that I can give you more of what you would like to hear. And if you thought anything in today's live stream would suit your website needs, such as news, commentary, or analysis of comics, anime, or larger pop culture... Please reach out to me, derrick.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. I can adapt remarks from today's live stream into an article for your site. Additional job leads in writing, commentary, and online broadcasting are welcome. Please email them, derrick.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you have a request for me to talk about something in the Sunday live stream, drop me a contribution in the coffee tip jar, $1 minimum, If it's something I'm comfortable covering here and is pretty much the same kind of content warnings as anything else I cover here, I'll consider it or I'll talk with you until we find something that you're up for listening to and I'm up for talking about. And as I said at the beginning of this live stream, I will appreciate your feedback. How would you like to see revenue generated from my work? Cash App? Early access to my course lectures? Patreon, Substack, live video game gameplay, let me know in the comments, and thank you for your consideration. And if you like what you heard, or you didn't like what you heard, please check out other people's awesome stuff. There's the Pro Left Podcast at Professionalleth.blogspot.com. I had mentioned earlier that Black Comics Chat is live last I checked on Twitch. You can watch them right now at twitch.tv slash blackcomicschat. There's the writing of Jeff Harris at post.newslash namalki, and please support his work in media criticism on PayPal and on his Amazon wish list. And there are illustrations by the talented Golden Sun Deer. Please commission them. Their rates are listed on their social media. And appropriate for the winter season, here is some of their latest artwork featuring the cast of Soul Eater mentioned that enough times in today's live stream engaging in a snowball fight looks like corona isn't into it as much as Blackstar and patty are which yeah that that fits their characters i want to thank golden sun deer for letting me share their art if you enjoyed this art please commission them twitter.com slash golden And speaking of Soul Eater, please check out the YouTube channel, Air Regulars Productions, for more Soul Eater fan content. And while they are not accepting December Patreon contributions, please check out Sun Death, Sudden Life, a D&D-style isake illustrated audio drama by voice actors, directors, and illustrators Micah Solisad and Ayu. Episode 1 of Sun, Death, Sun, Life is available for $5 patrons at patreon.com slash painapplestudio. Next Sunday is Christmas, so unless plans change, there will not be a live stream here. If I do, I promise it's not going to be a live reaction. I'll keep a surprise what it will be. It will be a surprise either way. Either there is no live stream, or I surprise you with a different kind of reaction video. And I don't know what the release schedule will be in two weeks from Viz. So how about we celebrate the new year with our favorite chibi Eldric abomination gained into the holiday season. Next time we go back to the manga Magu-chan God Destruction and see how Magu celebrates the new year with chapter 27. Link is in the video description. Until next Sunday, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good afternoon. Bye.